welcome to Random Questions, the show that turns interviews on their head. I'm Eric Johnson, and who the hell are you? I'm Lauren Good. Lauren Good of The Verge, yes. <laughs> I uh, also have a, a life outside of The Verge sometimes. Really? News to I me. I am with The Verge. <laughs> used to be with Rico. We used to work together. Yeah. We do still work we together. We still work together. I'm yeah. Not, yeah, your you're, podcast, you're, Too Embarrassed to Ask. And so. you are a producer extraordinaire of podcasts. Oh, thank you very much. Well, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, here's how it works. Neither Lauren nor I have any idea what we're going to talk about today. I have a list of 394 questions here, and every time I hit this button... We'll get a new one at random. You can submit your questions for future guests at randomquestions.xyz. Now, here comes the first question. Lauren, if you could change your name to anything, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, thank you. I think I read that one. Um, yes, I did. Okay. So I think when I was little, I went through a bunch of different name want, name changes, not actual name changes, but wanted to change my name. I think every little kid probably goes through this. Yeah. When you're like, I just really don't like my name or... Um, and so at one point when I was little, I think I said to my mom that I wanted to be named Crystal. Crystal? <laughs> yes. I remember this. And I remember thinking like there would be a heart involved somewhere over something. And I think my mom <laughs> just at some point said, you know, we really like the name Lauren and we named you Lauren for a reason. And maybe that's not, this is no offense to anybody who's named Crystal. And uh, yeah. And then there's this other crazy story where when I was little, my mom got one of those, um, those portraits done, those photographs done. I don't know if you remember these, but where one is just a straight on picture of your face but then in the same frame in the same background is kind of a profile picture right where it's kind of a bigger picture of your head sort of yeah and there's like and you but it's in the same background you know there's just a blurred background and in either case so there was this picture of me in our house from when i was about i don't know maybe three or four years old where it was my face straight on and then it was a profile of me within the same frame and i saw the picture as a little kid and thought i have a twin Oh, I have a twin somewhere. There's two people in this picture, there's so therefore. Two pi- there, therefore, there must be a twin. And maybe I had an overactive imagination, but her name was Elizabeth in my mind. <laughs> um, so I guess maybe I thought at some point that would be my that would be my name or my alter ego. So but. did you voice your awareness of this twin to your parents? Like, did you say, like, oh, where's Elizabeth? Or yeah, was this eventually. Internal... Eventually. Okay. I was very concerned <laughs> about Elizabeth. I said, well, you know, she being hidden in a closet somewhere. I mean, this is going to sound awful. My parents were not abusive. Like, I mean, this is, you know. But uh, but no, I just yeah, and uh, and they they probably found it funny and and just thought, oh, what an overactive imagination. And yeah. To this day, I don't know what happened to Elizabeth. I hope she's doing well. Well, but, um, Elizabeth, if you're listening yeah. to this, give us a call. <laughs> I you guess know, that we're, would... we're here for you. <laughs> uh, what about you? Did you want to be named? I actually else? never really had like a desire to be named something else necessarily. Um, there's a time my middle name is Scott, and there's a time where I was super ashamed of that, where I kind of probably would have changed that to literally anything. Why? I think it had to do with, um, even though I was never a Star Trek person, I think it was an awareness of the nickname Scotty, and I didn't like the, the name Scotty. I, I remember when I was a really little kid that that was like a thing, like uh, maybe just like in joking, my, my mom said like, oh, can I call you Scotty? And I was like, no, no, I hate that. I hate that, you know. <laughs> you didn't want to be called Scooter. No, Scooter. That's a character on the Muppets. I probably would have been happier with Scooter, Scooter. than Scott at that age. Yeah. Um, with, with Eric Scott Johnson, you can go one of two ways. You can either go famous novelist or serial killer. 
It's you know that's you know that's, that's the way. I will go with famous novelist. Thank yeah, you very yes, much. Uh, that's a good choice. No, so so I, I sometimes go by ESJ online, and so just to clear up confusion, I now go at least for the purposes of Twitter, go by Eric Scott Johnson there, because otherwise people are going to ask, "Why are you hey hey ESJ?" People I love ask. hey hey ESJ. Yeah, I love that too. No, and in, in my older age, I've I've made peace with with the middle name Scott. So. Uh. <laughs> that's good. So now no name changes for us. No, no name we're changes. Stuck. We 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 are we are set. Yeah. We're just yep, Lauren Good and Eric Scott Johnson. But seriously, Elizabeth <laughs> call us, you know. We we want to help you. Yeah, we hope you're okay. <laughs> All right, here comes the next question. Ooh. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to do what you do? Oh my goodness. You said ooh and I thought, "Oh no, this is going to go <laughs> into deep dark territory." Uh, like your earlier podcast with Kurt. Yeah, the, the, the most depressing really podcast one. ever. <laughs> Everyone should listen to that one. That was really good. Um, I think it's called Kurt Wagner and the Apple Juice Phase, but uh, the title masks the fact that like every other question was about death. It was really super depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one of the questions was uh, car or airplane, and it, it was sort of like how do you talk about your favorite mode of transportation, your preferred mode of transportation without going into Safety the dangers and, yeah. of the other. Uh, but th- that was a really good one. So this one. So it's funny because someone wrote to me recently and basically said, I wrote an email and he was a, a former student, he was a couple years out of school, and he said, how do I do what you do? And so I had to think about it a little bit, but the first thing I said to him was, I commend you for being just a couple years out of school and realizing that the thing you want to do is not the thing you want to do. Yeah. Because I worked in television for years before I had the guts to sort of say, you know what, I've really wanted to be a full-time writer this whole time. Um, I mean, and that was great. I mean, working in television was a great experience and being a video producer was a great experience and um, I had a lot of fun doing all of that. But it, I, I, in the back of my mind, I always thought, I want to be a full-time writer and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't right. have any connections in the industry. I didn't know how to pitch editors. I didn't know how to like, I mean, maybe at the time it wasn't even so important to make a personal brand back in like the early 2000s, but now it is. And that I wasn't no even a term in the that. early 2000s. Yeah, like Twitter didn't <laughs> exist. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so you were still pitching like, print in a lot of cases uh and so i guess the first piece of advice would be if you end up doing something else first that's great you can always change what it is that you want to do but if you want to be a journalist it's good to know that early on and just get started as early as you possibly can whether it's a school paper whether it's you're doing some reporting on your own um writing on your own and then also just vocalizing it because it can be so you can be so afraid to fail and so afraid to actually you know something not working out that it can be really hard to say like actually I want to be a journalist actually I want to be a writer so I would say that but then I would say that's sort of my like ideological piece of advice (laughs) Um, my more practical piece of advice would be just to learn everything you possibly can if you want to be a journalist because you can't just be a one-dimensional journalist these days as we know we have to take photos we have to um, blog we have to write longer features we have to tweet we have to do podcasts we do videos video is hugely important these days yes whether you're on camera or not even just having some basic knowledge of how video works and how the production of video works so you can communicate in that same way with other journalists um hugely hugely important and so just learn everything you can um and and just trying a lot of different stuff like doing stuff like the the the, the easiest way to not get anything done is to just like not start you know like 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 it's the uh 
is sort of the whole thing of like the, the hardest part about writing is starting and the second hardest part is everything else, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. What would your, I mean, what would your piece of advice be? Yeah, just just do stuff. I mean, like, I, I would say, like you said, like get started early on. That definitely helps. Like I've started doing journalism in high school newspaper time, you know, and so I've been doing some form of either reporting or editing or interviewing or something since then. Um, but like at the same time, I also feel like there's plenty of people who um, – like, the really nice thing about journalism is it's not like a medicine – it's not like being a doctor where you have to have a degree that it took you eight years of college to get to. I mean, you can get into writing and reporting and podcasting and whatever else, you know, just, like, by trying it, just by yeah, kind of going absolutely. out. And, like, no one, no one's looking for a diploma before you can start, like, kind of telling fun stories, you know. No, you, it's funny because you and I both went to J school. We did. So we went we, to the we, same we, J we school. We were suckers. We, we, paid, we paid for Yeah, I mean, would you recommend degree. that people go to J school if they wanted to do what, we're, what we do? It depends on the J school, to be honest. Like, I was really happy with uh, with my J school time because, A, it was a short program, so I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I, got, like, lost a lot of money or time of my career. Um, and plus I felt like it was a really good sort of, like, quick and dirty grounding in a lot of different stuff that was happening in media, kind of getting me up to speed, getting ready to enter the job market. Um, but I also know there's a bunch of J school programs that are like still teaching newspaper journalism. And it's like, mm, maybe that shouldn't be a focus of the program, you know, anymore. Right. Uh, what, what, what about you? What, what did you think? Well, of- it's funny when you said, yeah, we're suckers and we paid for J school. I tend to agree with you. It's like the first place I go. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're those people <laughs> who paid for J school and we, we paid probably for the didn't diploma. need to because we get, we have had such amazing, um, on the ground experience and great editors that we've worked with, um, and we do work with. But, and I went for the same reason you did. It was a short, it was a one-year program. It was less than a year. Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't have to step too far away from my career. I mean, I wrote, I wrote my way through J school. That's how I paid for it, basically. Um, so there was that, too. But, yeah, I think uh, a lot of the skills that are being taught in J school these days are still, not to use, use the same word, but somewhat ideological. And what journalists really need now um, are, more, like, a more tactical set of skills. And practical. Tactical, and practical. Of, just yeah. you come, you know, you you come out of the J school and you're entering a, a newsroom as a, a you know, a news um, associate reporter or maybe an intern or maybe, you know. And, and it's like, how are you going to make an impact on the, the first day that you get there so that you are alleviating someone else's duty so they can actually go report and if you just sort of don't know how to do that um with whatever it is you're supposed to be doing like sort of right off the right off the bat i mean if you don't know how to fact check something Mm -hmm. if if that's a problem um and so i think uh there are some like really sort of tactical things that, that students could learn these days and I'm not quite sure are being taught in some cases right but at the same time like you mentioned newspaper journalists and this idea of like oh well some day schools are still are still teaching uh newspaper skills and or how to write for a newspaper I still think there should be some element of sort of appreciation for previous media there should be an an understanding and an education I think there should be here's how to write for a newspaper but Mm -hmm. I don't think that should be like the focus of the program like there are some programs that are like the equivalent of like majoring or, or you take several classes specifically in newspaper journalism and I feel like the more holistic approach of hey here's how to do newspaper and also here's how to do radio and also here's how to do broadcast and here's how yes. to do online video and here's, here's how, how to do, do podcasting and here's how to, how to do social like use a CMS I, I really think that mm-hmm. the, the, the just for the getting a job for having lots of options when you get out into the real world and actually have to find a job I feel like having a lot of different skills and not just a siloed set of just like I really know how to yes. do this one thing well I think it'd be better to be sort of a jack of all trades absolutely in some sense, you know yeah 
right. Here I comes think we're good. We could probably go on about that forever. We don't want to make a podcast all the <laughs> I know. Day. It's so we, inside baseball right now. We're sorry, guys. We, we, we can definitely go on about this forever, but I do want to get to the next question. So okay. let's find out what it is. Okay. What's the worst day of the week? Oh. I mean, it's Monday without a doubt. Monday? It's just without a doubt. It's Monday. I just thought about it for a second, and today's Wednesday, and I thought, oh, today I'm pretty tired today. It's hump day. But it's Monday. Yeah. There's something about Sunday. There was a line in my so-called life. I don't know if you remember that show. No. With Claire Danes. Okay. From the 90s. And Sorry. Jared Leto. Okay, really? Okay, yeah. We're going to have a whole other podcast about my so-called life, but Absolutely. Claire Danes... Her character name was Angela Chase, and she was this very angsty but very bright and um, just, you know, beloved, like, teenage character. And she was in love with Jordan Catalano, who was played by Jared Leto. And in either case, there was a line in that show once where one of the teenagers in the show said, there's something about Sunday nights that really makes you want to kill yourself. <laughs> and I, not, I don't take that lightly or say that literally. But, um, yeah, there is something about Sunday nights when they roll around, when they roll around where you're just thinking – Oh no, Monday. And something about Monday morning, it's just that Monday morning commute and starting, you know, firing up your to do list again and yep. looking at it's just. I sometimes actually, I actually think it's easier to, if you have to work on a Sunday afternoon, like if I'm working on stories or yep. something, planning for the week on a Sunday afternoon, and then I segue into Monday, as much as I hate working on a weekend, it's almost easier. That, that's what I do, is I, I almost always wind up working several hours on Sunday, mm-hmm. and that makes me feel a lot better about Mondays. Like, Mondays still suck, don't get me wrong, but if you kind of prep for Monday in a way, and you get a little bit of your, your morning stuff you would be doing Monday morning done on Sunday, yeah. like, I found that makes my life, like, dramatically better. My my week's just like happier. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And I try not to make plans for Friday nights because there is, to me, there is nothing more delicious in the world than finishing a week, even if you have to work really late on a Friday night and coming home and just sitting on the couch or watching something or reading something that you've been meaning to catch up on. And just knowing that you can sleep in just a little bit more on Saturday. And that you're it's just, just doing great nothing. Feeling. That, that you just, just are completely free. Yes. And, and sometimes, you know, people will, like, have a birthday party on Friday night or there's an event you're supposed to go to. And I'm just like, I, I, there's a 95% chance I will not go to this because I just want to have my nothing time for, like, a Friday night. That, that's a really interesting yeah. – yeah. I've never actually thought about things that way because – I think of obviously weekends as being, hey, you're free from work generally and like you can just go have fun. But I also tend to think of Friday night and Saturday night as like those are the nights when you might throw a party. But, yeah. but Saturday night it may be more appealing. Like it may, might be a better thing for, for a lot of people because if Friday, if you've been kind of beaten down by the day and you just kind of want to go home and do nothing. Yeah. Then, yeah. That's, that's, what do you think is the worst day of the week? Uh, well, I, I used to think Monday, but now I kind of feel <laughs> now even though even though I've shared the burden between the two, I feel Sunday a little bit because I, I'll wake up Sunday morning, and you know I won't have had an alarm. I'll just wake up on my own, and there's always a split second where I think it might be Saturday, but it's not Saturday <laughs> anymore. It's Sunday. That that's kind of like that that feeling is is the where even if I'm gonna be like still not working for most of Sunday, that that little feeling Sunday morning is like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can see you can like see the weekend's demise already. Exactly, you're, like, you're just, more than halfway done much. with the weekend. You you're yeah. over the hump. Yeah, so. you're like a half empty kind of person <laughs> when it comes to the weekend. Yeah. Maybe a little okay. bit. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, here comes the next question. Okay. What was the last TV show or other series that you binge watched? Oh, House of Cards season four. Yeah. Yeah. How was it? I what about seen you? It yet. Oh, uh, how do I say this without any spoilers? It was good. It Just good. was. <laughs> how do I say this without any spoilers? I'm like, and then someone dies, and then, uh, uh, no, it was. Um, 
It was riveting as always. There, you start to realize how much their characters uh, really operate best when they are one sociopathic unit, <laughs> as opposed to trying to operate independently or um, for in, for personal gain. And uh, you also like it's funny because I watch House of Cards and you see all of the political machinations that are going on in this program and are probably representative in some way of what actually does go on in, sure. in politics. And, but it really starts to make you think about per interpersonal relations in general and how you may have a conversation with someone and let your guard down and think maybe it's a coworker or something or whatever it is and think like, oh, well, I'm really let's accomplish this together or I'm really playing my cards, no pun intended, right mm -hmm. here. And then you watch the show and people are so manipulative and, and crazy and sort of evil that then you start to think, well, maybe then that person I'm talking to in real life is, is having this conversation with paranoid. other people. Yes, it makes you like think about these really dark themes in right. terms of just human nature, not, you know, this is particularly about politics, but it's sort of applicable in other ways. And it's, just, it's just a fascinating show. It's like the thing yeah. you can't stop watching because it's so dark. So I actually stopped watching. You did? <laughs> yeah. Why I, did you stop I, watching? I, after season three. Uh, I, I uh, kind of – I wasn't really enjoying the show anymore. Like I really loved season one, and I kind of – two and three, I was like, eh. And the, the nail in the coffin for me, the reason why I haven't watched season four is just – I've had enough evil politicians this year. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's too close to home. It really, it really is. Yeah. It, maybe if, if people, if enough people tell me that season four is is good enough, at least, and maybe after this election year, maybe I'll come back and watch it. But I've just like I made up my mind a couple of days ago, where it's just like you know what, I don't really think I can deal with with you know an evil president right now. It's like yeah. a little bit, a little bit too close to home. I don't know how you might. Uh, possibly be talking about uh, <laughs> what is the last show you've been binge watched then uh, last show I've been watched wasn't the whole show but it was uh, season one of Rick and Morty do you know this show no what's that it's a cartoon that's on uh, it's on the adult swim portion of, of cartoon networks which is kind of like the block of programming at night where it's like adult oriented cartoons pretty much and um, it's basically see, have you seen Back to the Future yes okay so you know in Back to the Future you have the old crazy scientist and the young kid Michael J. Fox um, Rick and Morty is basically playing on that idea, but instead of the instead of it being Christopher Lloyd, who's kind of like a, an uncle-like, an avuncular or a grandfatherly sort of guy, um, the old scientist is this like raging alcoholic asshole who's just like completely always putting the little kid in danger with like zero regard for his safety, and the kid is just this little like you know ten year ten year old kid who's uh, you know who, who's just constantly being thrown into, into the thick of it, and um, it's it's really just a really funny and ridiculous sort of if you like sort of um uh, i i i want to call it like stoner humor but it's not even really that it's just kind of like random sort, sort of absurdist humor i guess it's the best term for it it's kind of kind of absurdist sci-fi comedy whatever how many episodes <laughs> have you watched i've watched the first season which i think was like 15 episodes okay. But they're short. They're like 20 minutes, so it's oh, easy okay. to binge. Yeah, no, it was just like last weekend. I just decided, well, you know what? I'm, I'm finally going to catch up on the show that everyone on the internet loves except yeah. for me. So. <laughs> binge watching is this really interesting thing where um, it's, it's fun. It's super fun to do when you're doing it. But if it ends up being an unsatisfying show on yes. the whole, you feel kind of empty after you finished. Yeah. Because you can't stop watching because you've started binging. 
but then it's like having a very unsatisfying large meal. And then afterwards you're like, well, that really wasn't that good. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure that was worth all the time and energy, energy I put into that. The food but here is so bad now. in such small portions. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But when you watch something that's really good, like I felt after I watched Transparence on Amazon, yeah. I was so moved by that show. I really I need mean, to watch that show. Oh, I really just, want to. I, I think it's one of the best binge-watching experiences I've ever had. Because the whole thing is just satisfying by the end of it, you mean? Or? There's so many layers to the characters. I mean, I think the really sort of trite way to think about the show would be Jeffrey Tambor is the transparent, right? He's right. a man who realizes, um, you know, uh, middle midlife, I guess he's maybe even late, older than that, that, that he actually is a woman. And so you kind of think on a uh, base level, well, that's what it's about but it's it's really about his children and their trials and tribulations and their issues yeah. with the relationship and sexuality and um it's just so nuanced and emotional and about family it's about family and yeah. um it was so good it was just really well done and that was like a satisfying binge watching experience can I, can I tell you something yeah. i uh, i understood that the trans and transparent was reference to, to trans transgender I didn't get the parent part of it until you just said oh. trans <laughs> transparency, transparent. Yeah, yes, I, that completely really good. went over my head. I mean, maybe, maybe if I had seen the show, maybe I would have gotten it. But <laughs> I'm going to put that on your list. It's yeah. one of these shows you have to binge watch when you get like a free moment. I, I absolutely will. Yeah, at some point. I that'll have to take a number, but yeah, <laughs> I, I still haven't watched like most of Breaking Bad. I still haven't watched oh, uh, really? any of Mad Men. I'm like so so bad about keeping up with good TV. It's just <laughs> well. I wouldn't say you're missing much with Mad Men. I kind of really? fell off that. Yeah, Breaking Bad was another one of those shows where the characters are just so dark. You're like, that, that's why. That's why I stopped watching Breaking Bad because I was getting into it, but it was just like were you I, feeling I, depressed. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, that's, I tend to binge watch more comedies and dramas because like it's kind of like um, like to use your your food analogy earlier. Like, sure, if I binge on broccoli, I'm sure that you know overall may, may, maybe when I live a year longer, I'll be happier for it. But <laughs> yeah. man, it's so much easier to binge on gummy bears you know (laughs) (laughs) well that's it cartoons are gummy bears and um good shows are broccoli i guess (laughs) all right here comes the next question okay what's the worst way you've ever been injured oh i've had a lot uh i played a lot of sports growing up Mm -hmm. um so when i was really little there was an incident where our garage door came down on my feet. Oh. Yeah. Um, fortunately, nothing was broken, but I remember that being sort of a terrifying experience. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of knee surgeries at this point, so those are probably the worst injuries that I've had. And yeah. that's just from – actually, both instances were from playing basketball. So of just like you bent your knee in a certain way or you sort of just – Yeah, torn cartilage. Yeah. Uh, and you sort of just feel this, this – um, twist and a crunch and it's just not fun and the the thing about torn cartilage is that you can actually go you can pretty much walk on it afterwards i mean i tore the last time i had knee surgery was just about a month or so ago i had suffered this injury last fall and put it off going to the doctor so i was able to just like get around and do my thing and even exercise um with this torn cartilage but sort of knowing something was wrong whereas there are other knee injuries where once you tear a ligament or you know, my dad just had a knee replacement and he could barely walk by the, you know, just before he got it done. So like there, there are levels of severity here and this one was not so bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd have to say that was probably the, wor- the worst, uh, 
Yeah, I, I guess that's it. I guess I've been lucky in that way because yeah. it's actually not that terrible. I mean, some people have really bad car accident stories know, or terrible broken bones. Or um, what about you? What was I've also been even more lucky, probably because I'm more of an indoor kid. So, I, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I played sports when I was a little kid. But then since since then, I uh, yeah, I have been uh, very lucky to, to not even, even to that severity. Uh, I guess like when I was... I fell down the stairs, had to get stitches in my head. Oh no! Um, Do you have a scar? Uh, very faintly. It's kind of it's hard to see even if you're looking for it, but over my forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when the Harry Potter books came out, that that was, that was kind of a brief, uh, you know, appe- appealing fact. Like, hey, I got a scar there too. You know, <laughs> it's validating. Yeah. Uh, I uh, had my appendix out at ooh. one point. That, that actually might have been a bigger deal than knee surgery, but I just I guess I put it out of my mind. I was that, that's so that when you have to have your appendix out, that's like what? Why is that exactly? I don't actually know. The appendix gets inflamed, okay. and when it gets inflamed, if it bursts when it's still in you, it's an unnecessary organ. You yeah. mention that all the time, but if it bursts when it's in you, there's basically a, a toxicity that will it gets into go throughout the rest of your body and okay. uh, potentially be fatal in extreme cases. So. Like when it's inflamed, you just kind of feel this really bad stomach ache, and then it gets worse and worse and worse. In a lot of cases, you're you end up throwing up, or your you know your white blood cell count shoots through the roof. And so this happened when I was uh, I think I was 12 or 13, and it was right after a basketball tournament. All these things around basketball, I'm so <laughs> like, uh, but it was such a big part of my life. And um, and I remember coming home after playing a basketball tournament and hanging out with my friends afterwards and thinking. Well, that's weird. I have this really bad stomach ache. I wonder if I got elbowed or something when I was playing or what the... And then it just got so bad that I was rolling around, like, at home and crying. And my parents said, we have to take her to the hospital. And thankfully they did because um, because it was an inflamed ap- appendix. And then they just knocked me out and took it out. I just thought of something else that happened happened to me what? that oh, where no. you just mentioned with, with elbowing. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, the school bully, we were playing dodgeball school bully, threw a dodgeball at like point blank range right at my uh, groin area. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Why would he do that? What was his name? I, I don't remember. He's a loser. Well, I wonder what he's doing now. <laughs> Probably nothing good. Yeah. Uh, and that, that 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 was probably it, it wasn't like a lasting injury That's or anything. So it, was, it was a bruise, but it was yeah. That 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 was a very very painful uh, painful hit for for about a day. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I obviously don't know what that's like exactly, but that sounds pretty terrible. Yeah. And it also sounds like one of those incidents where you say to yourself, if I ever have kids, I'm going to tell them never to be that person. <laughs> well, thanks for that injury. I can't take it now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that was dark. <laughs> this podcast was sponsored by. Yeah. Okay. All right, here comes the next question. <laughs> okay. How often do you forget where you put things? Mm, I'm actually pretty good about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not... It's not regular. I, Do you have like a the sort of spatial memory where if I asked you now like about something back in your your home, like you could like remember where it is, or it's more like short term. You put something down, then you remember to go back for it. Uh, it's more. I think that the control freak side of my personality. Um, even though I can get distracted and especially if I'm reading something, I'm very bad at paying attention to what's going on around me and I kind of flutter around and I'm like, oh, I need to do 18 different things today. When I actually go to do something like put my clipper card in my wallet or put my keys in the key bowl or take the technology that I'm testing and put it on my desk, in that moment, I'm just like, okay, I can't lose this. It's a, it's like an it's a stress factor for me. Got it's it. like I, I know that things are going to be disastrous later if I don't plan ahead a little bit. And so I, when I think about where I put things, I think to myself, okay, the next time I'm going to need this thing, here's where it is. Yeah. Even if it's not 
co- like even if it's a sort of a subconscious thing. So I'm actually fairly good about remembering where things so you, are. Yeah, you kind of even not totally consciously, but important stuff. You 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 remember it. You kind of assign some special place in your in your memory. Yeah, yeah. Or like if I'm thinking about an item of clothing that I put in my closet, I will have like a specific memory associated with that dress or whatever it is. And so right. when I hang it in my closet, I think like this is where this is going. It, it's just a weird thing. I don't know. I, I um. I always think of that character from Along Came Polly. I think it's I Jennifer, seen it, yeah. Jennifer Aniston's character, where she's so bad about her keys that Ben Stiller, who plays the romantic lead, ends up giving her um, one of these like um, audible key finder things. Okay. So she can attach to her keys and it'll beep. And she's horrible about losing things and especially losing her keys. And I always think like I can see how that could happen for people <laughs> like really easily. But I just uh, knock on wood. Haven't had too many terrible instances like that. You're looking. No ar- you're looking room. around right now. Like, what have I? Are you? Are you good about remembering? No, I was things? looking for wood to knock on this. <laughs> not in this room. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm. I'm generally okay at it. I tend to. I tend to remember the important things as well. But I'm also forgetful about like the unimportant things. So like sometimes I'll pour myself a drink like you know at at, at home. I work from home <laughs> most days, and then like three hours later I'll come back into the kitchen and be like, oh. There it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, one, one time I uh, <laughs> one, one time one time I poured myself some coffee, and then I poured myself some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I have done that. Yeah. I have done that. I thought you were gonna say like, and then one time I lit a match, <laughs> and then I lit another match, and then I was like, "There's the fire." I actually I don't have any <laughs> candles or anything in my house, and I don't want to find out if I'm one of those people. I, I'm happy to just not have candles and not take that risk. <laughs> I'm never letting you sit my cat. Sit for my cat. She'll be like, oh. There, where did I put the cat? Oh, there's the cat. He's in the dryer. <laughs> Makes sense. Hi, Fluffy. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Your cat's new name is Fluffy. It really feels appropriate. He's dryer sheet stuck to him. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is good to know. You know what? I think that if you are somewhat forgetful about where things are or you do things twice it's just a sign that you are a creative genius <laughs> obviously what that, that, that that's means. one interpretation and sure it means that i'm just a stress ball and <laughs> anal retentive <laughs> all right here comes the next question this is submitted by uh my friend keegan previous guest on this podcast if you were forced to live on a deserted island for the rest of your life and could only bring one object from your current life with you what would you bring it would have to be the smartphone yeah. because if you uh, – I mean, it's got uh, – you're on the desert island for the rest of your life. It's, but it's, it's an my, object. It's not a person. Right. And it's not food. We're not talking about food. True. And we're not – so your smartphone is your map and it's your light and it's um, your book. Until it runs out of battery power, Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're talking. So You're on a deserted funny. island. There's no outlets, Lauren. <laughs> Solar-powered smartphone. <laughs> Can I make an amendment? It's funny because you you presented the deserted island situation, and in my mind I thought, this is so implausible that I will just make – I will also, in my mind, make up a smartphone that has a never-ending battery. I mean, come on. Seriously, realistic here. <laughs> this, is, this is not real life here. Um Okay, okay, okay. So if the battery's going to die and we, I can only take one thing, object, um, mm, <laughs> I would say like a boat, but I don't have one in my current life. A boat? 
<laughs> yeah, so you can get off the island. I don't even I need to know. I have no good answer for this question. I have no idea. I just I just dumped it on like you. Like a hat? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm looking at your hat right now and thinking that'd be great for sun protection for sure, you. I, I guess. For both of us. Yeah, just just bring a sombrero. I mean, who cares about fashion when you're when you're by yourself you're for the just rest like of your life? Naked except for the sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> you should bring that funny little work key code badge you have on right now yeah. because that will get you into a lot of places. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Deserted I'll just keep on swiping against the palm tree, just waiting for the palm tree to beep, you know. <laughs> Until a monkey steals it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I have no, yeah. no good answer to that whatsoever. I don't know. I guess if a smartphone had solar battery power, then smartphone, yeah. that'd be it. Yeah. With that caveat, that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, here comes, we'll make this the last question. What was your first computer? Oh, my goodness. This is so perfect. You're the gadget geek. You're the computer geek. You this know? came up recently. Yeah. Yeah, I had I asked my mom and my brother what our, when we got our first computer. I knew what it was, but when we got it, because um, I was trying to figure out when I started using AOL Instant Messenger. But uh, it was a Gateway 2000. You might remember that one. Actually, yeah. maybe you don't. You remember that one? I, I, I think okay. it, yeah. It was big. Yeah. It was really big. We had AOL. It was dial-up. I had uh, one of those see-through plastic phones uh, in my bedroom that – do you remember those phones? They were like super – they're corded, of course, because everything yeah. was corded at the time. But you could see all of the components inside yeah, the phone yeah, yeah. because yeah. it had the – clear plastic casing and all the components were it was super cool like when you're you know a teenager with like limited tech at your disposal and um, all the parts inside were fluorescent colored and i just thought it was like the coolest thing ever so we moved that phone from my room into the computer room and that became our dial-up phone and um and i loved the thing i I loved our gateway 2000 i loved the computer just generally speaking i loved where in the world is carmen san diego i loved um just working on you know documents like writing right i mean i kept a journal on this computer um there was one time when i accidentally left a journal entry open and my dad saw it and it was really really bad news because i was talking about like drinking beers in a friend's garage um wait so, so how, i was a teenager uh <laughs> i was like i guess i was 16 okay um yeah, yeah, because we got it in, like, late 1997. Yeah. So uh, I just dated myself. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was that was my first computer, and it was really cool. And then um, after that um, – so this is, this is actually a true story. So we didn't really have enough money to equip me with another computer when I went away to college, which was 1999. Mm-hmm. And not everybody – at school had a computer then there was a computer lab there was a computer lab and they closed it two in the morning which was pretty (laughs) much as late as you needed it to go i mean unless you're a real procrastinator and it was right across from my dorm so i used the i used the computer lab and then my roommate was kind enough to let me use her hp sometimes and that's how i got all of my work done for basically the first year that i was at school and then um, the following summer, I mean, I had a summer job and I had like some bonds from an aunt, you okay. know, from like, uh, and I cashed one in and I got, I f- bought my first computer on my own and that was a compact. Yeah. And I loved the thing. And the reason why I loved that one is because it had a CD burner and not everyone had. So oh. I like, I jumped from like the girl without the computer 
to the person who had the CD burner. Which was the best computer, whatever it was. Yes. It had a CD burner. Yes, because people may or may not have been using Napster at the time and I wanted think to make of limitations their CDs. <laughs> and so like all my friends would say, like, could I use your burner to make my CDs for, yeah. you know, my my workout playlist or my party playlist or whatever it was or my studying playlist. And um and so that was really cool. That was that was my second computer. Yeah. What were your computers? Uh, I mean, we definitely had a big boxy. I think it was a gateway for, for mm-hmm. a while. I couldn't tell you the exact type, but probably about the same there. Um, we had a Dell computer from around 2001. It was Dell, like, you know, XP, some crazy number. I forget exactly what at yeah. this point. They're that was the one that I, like. Forgettable names. Yeah, that was the one I, like, think of the most as being, like, my first computer. Even though it was a shared family computer, I kind mm-hmm. of think of that as being, like, when I started to, like, really – use the internet for more than just like you know going to the <laughs> going to like the, the garfield website to you know or going to aol you know kids or whatever like that, that that was the first computer where i actually started using like you know the internet and stuff um and then when i was in high school i for my, my parents are just so wonderful i convinced them to get me an imac for christmas one year so that i could do video oh, editing because cool. i wanted to be steven spielberg and so uh yep. so I, I convinced them to get me an imac so i could do uh, you know video editing and things like that and so yeah that that that, and that one was like primarily a me computer so that's kind of that's i guess where i sort of draw the line is like between those two, two computers is like my first, yeah. you know. That's funny because my first experience with a Mac was also around video editing. Yeah. I feel like Final Cut Pro was probably the gateway drug for yeah. a lot of people into the world of Macs. T- totally um, it was I mean, for me. I just, after that, I never went back. I, I was really into making videos. And, you know, I when I thought about like the, the gateway that I mentioned earlier, that for me was like, okay, I wrote my term papers on that. And there was, a, you know, and I wrote journal entries and I wrote a story. Like, that was where I did like that homework. But then when I switched to Mac, it was like, this is where I get to do my fun homework. Right. It was like a whole different <laughs> it, experience. It feels different. Yeah. The, the whole the whole way they design it is felt mm-hmm. completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And once you go Mac, you know. Yeah. That's what they say. <laughs> you don't go back. We were sitting well, here Why, now, why have you Apple used that line? That, that, so, that's gold right there. I don't know. I feel like it might be um, inconsistent with some of their other messaging. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the random questions we have time for today. Remember to visit randomquestions.xyz to submit your own random questions. And Lauren, you should totally do that. I would love to hear whatever questions you might uh, might think of. In I'm going to submit some total randoms. Please do. Good ones. <laughs> and uh, so before we go, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. And Lauren, is there where do you want people to find you online? I am at Lauren Good on Twitter, and that's good with an E at the end of it. G-O-D. O-O-D-E. That is yes. correct. All right. Or well, Random Questions Show Music is by Red Eyes and licensed under Creative Commons. For more, visit randomquestions.xyz. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on.